Welcome to Decoding Security. We're in week three of National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and this week's theme is Today's Predictions for the Internet of Tomorrow. Since this week's focus is on the Internet of Tomorrow, we are discussing the security of the Internet of Things. Before we get into the Internet of Things, what's going on in the world of cybersecurity right now? More exciting developments coming out of Cybersecurity Awareness Month. A Belgian security researcher released a report on Monday which detailed a flaw in Wi-Fi security, which he has dubbed CRACK, which is short for Key Reinstallation Attacks, allows attackers the ability to trick devices that are in the process of connecting to a WPA2 secured access point. It tricks them into using a predictable encryption key, which then gives the adversary a chance to decrypt any data being sent back and forth over that pipe. Vendors are already releasing patches for this vulnerability, with Windows coming in ahead of the curve, having already patched it last week. The key things to take away here are always to keep your devices up to date at all times, and to make sure you're using some form of end-to-end encryption on your sensitive communications. Uh, Now, this means making sure you're browsing the internet over HTTPS as much as possible. For the website owners out there, this is just another reason to make sure you've got an SSL installed for your users to have that extra layer of security when they're interacting with your site. Equifax taking another hit last week when it was determined that their advertising company was serving adware to their website, causing a malicious redirect in the form of a fake Adobe Flash update, which is pretty common. It was reported by a security researcher, Randy Abrams, who posted a video to YouTube detailing the compromise and the hijacked page. It was found that their credit report assistance link was the source of the redirect where the infected advertisements were being served. Equifax has temporarily taken down the web page and determined that it was not an, a compromise of their internal systems, but rather an advertisement that was serving malicious content coming from a third-party website. Uh, it was pretty stealthy, and no one really knows how long it was up. But for right now, it's been taken down and further investigation is underway. And uh, in the latest of what seems to be an endless wave of data breaches, Patient Home Monitoring, a healthcare services provider in the United States, has exposed medical records belonging to over 150,000 Americans. The data itself was discovered by researchers with the Cromtech Security Center and is another case of misconfigured Amazon S3 storage. At this point, it's not clear whether this data was ever exfiltrated by any malicious actors, and it only pertains to services provided by patient home monitoring. It's just yet another major example of companies mishandling the data of their consumers. And the subject of consumer data being contained in unsecured Amazon S3 buckets is a very good way to lead into our subject of the day, which is going to be sort of the future of the internet and the security therein. More and more, we have internet-connected devices everywhere in our homes, and a lot of people, for good reason, are very concerned with the security of these devices. Can you trust them, and what sort of things can you expect if something bad happens? And unfortunately, in that regard, the future is now. We heard earlier this year, back in February, um, of a breach from Cloud Pets. Uh, Jesse, you ever heard of these guys? I have, yeah, they're internet-connected 
like teddy bears, right? Yeah. So little stuffed animals and critters. The idea being you can give this stuffed animal to your grandkid or when you're going on a trip. And it's sort of like a, a little messaging device. You can send voice messages to the pet and then they can reply back to you from the stuffed animal. The ads are super cute and show people just showering these little ones with love from anywhere on the globe. Unfortunately for cloud pets, they stored user account data in an unprotected MongoDB database facing the internet on an Amazon S3 bucket. This means that anybody could exfiltrate that account information and put together login credentials for these accounts and figure out where these recordings are being stored and actually intercept them. Now, the company itself denies that any malicious actors ever did do any of this intercepting, but it was absolutely an option. I recall mention of their password policies where even tutorial videos on how to set it up suggested a password of just a lowercase a and nothing else. That sounds incredibly dangerous. It certainly could have been. Now, when you say they intercepted the messages, that includes recordings of children, correct? That's the theory. There are no reported cases where this has definitely happened. But with the data that you could have exfiltrated from the public-facing database, you could have then started to crack hashes and usernames from these accounts, get into them, and then you have that access. In addition, the actual files for the recordings weren't protected either. If you knew the URL of a recording, you could pull it up from anywhere. And so that got into things like directory guessing and just intercepting traffic to sort of predict file names of these recordings and people could pull them up. There was no authentication to actually access them. This, needless to say, is bad. And uh, it's sort of making ripples through the entire industry. This happened back in February. And to this day, you can look up Cloud Pets on Wikipedia and the entire article is about the breach. Nothing about the product or anything like that, just about the data breach. Yeah, that's really scary, especially when you're talking about the data belonging to children, minors. Their voices, their images could be potentially exploited by a bad actor and end up on the dark net for any nefarious purpose. In the same vein, we've seen an increase in manufacturers producing baby monitors that can be connected to the internet that are being exploited. There have actually been several reports going all the way back to February of people who were found to be spying on children with their baby monitors. In Texas, a two-year-old girl who heard a hacker's voice through her baby monitor calling her a moron and other insults and profanities. Uh, there have been reports of attackers taking control over the webcam portion of the of the camera-mounted baby monitors and following parents around the room as they breastfeed or change the baby. This is a big deal when you talk about the Internet of Things and the future of Internet connectivity is how do we protect ourselves and ultimately our children from the dangers of Internet connectivity. Most of the baby monitors, you can either turn off Wi-Fi or you can put them on a different connection or a different network than your regular Internet connection, making sure that your router is password protected. These are all steps that you can take to secure not just your baby monitor, but your whole home network, really. That's going to be a big part of it. Now, a lot of those internet-enabled webcams, they open up a port to the outside so that you can just sort of remote in and, and pull this up. The idea there being, you know, I could check on you know, my infant from work. You know, presumably there's somebody there <laughs> with her, but it would give me the ability to sort of pull it up and look and check on my kid and say, hi, how are you? Nice to meet you, that kind of thing. And, um, so the idea there, and I can certainly see the appeal of having that sort of connectivity, but it's imperative that you 
secure this. The default credentials are not enough. They're the same for you as they are for anybody else who looks up the manual to this device and making sure that you're changing the defaults. You're not putting things exactly where they come out of the box. That'll help prevent any sort of malicious activity. And again, like you said, uh, having an infected machine on your network could give pivot access to these things, even if it's not hosted over the internet, which is when setting up an alternate network for your IoT devices comes up. Right. And it's important to keep your Wi-Fi router password protected as well. Use a strong password, a password manager if you can, and make sure that all of your devices are password protected as well. Like you said, the Cloud Pets gave you the option to change the password, even though their tutorial said to simply use the lowercase letter A. That's obviously inherently insecure. So using strong passwords, again, hearkening back to previous advice that we've given on the podcast, use a password manager, never reuse your passwords. All of that is going to become even more important as we get into internet connected devices. And it's not just kids stuff either. We've got Google Home and Amazon Echo, which is the Alexa system that can be used. You know, there's a joke of, hey, wiretap, can cats eat pancakes? Well, there's some truth to that. Alexa or the Amazon Echo is always listening. It's really important that you take steps to secure that. You're not in direct control of the security most of the time. You're at the whim or vulnerable to whatever their firmware updates are, whatever their manufacturer is putting into place. So you have to effectively trust Amazon not to leak your credit card information all over the place. There's ways that you can do that. Like you said, having an internal network for all of your IoT devices, changing the passwords where possible. Is there anything that can be done specifically with those devices. So with those sort of smart speakers like Amazon Echo, Echo Dot, your Google Home, sort of those integrated devices that are popping up left and right. A few specifics now. I don't have any of them personally. I'm a little bit too paranoid for that. But I've been doing some digging. Now with the Amazon products specifically, you can change the wake word. It's not necessarily going to make the back end any more uh, secure. But when we have cases like the Burger King ad from earlier this year, (laughs) where the actor in the commercial was tricking Google Home devices into looking up the Wikipedia article for the Whopper. That was activated by the Google Home wake word, OK Google. We had the South Park episode that came out a few weeks back, sort of lampooning the existence of these devices, but all of the kids in the show talking to their Alexa devices and their Google Homes uh, were triggering people's devices in their homes. So with Amazon devices, you can actually change the wake word. You can't make it anything you want. You have a few options. Alexa is the default one. And then there's Amazon, Echo, and Computer for the Star Trek fans out there. Setting it to something that's non-standard is going to make you a little bit less susceptible to those sort of wide social attacks that you see there. Now, in most cases, they are pretty, uh, you know... it's kind of hard in the security world to say for funsies, but that's sort of the intent. The Burger King advertising campaign, I mean, that sort of thing was bound to happen, and it didn't ultimately hurt anything, despite being pretty invasive by all accounts. You know, the South Park kids waking up everybody's Alexa, that's not damaging anything, but that sort of thing is around the corner, if sure. you ask me. When you look at things like Burger King being able to say, okay, Google, and pull up a Wikipedia article. You know, yeah, we laugh at that. We laugh at South Park turning on your Alexa, Cartman turning on the Alexa to order cheesy poofs. But what people don't realize is that does expose a very dangerous vulnerability. It's a loophole that bad actors could use to get into their system. And a lot of people don't care. There have even been headlines from Gizmodo that are literally Amazon's Alexa is not even remotely secure, and I really don't care. Because it's so useful, you can order paper towels just 
saying, hey Alexa, order paper towels. It will automatically remember the brand and size you order. You can order pet food, kitty litter, that kind of thing. And it is incredibly useful to be able to do that. But there are steps that can be taken to protect yourself from that. Use a separate debit card or credit card that only has access to that. So if it gets breached, you're not losing all of your information. Don't connect sensitive email accounts. Like don't connect your work email account to your Google Home. And you can mute the Amazon Alexa devices like the Fire Stick remote and the Echo. And I believe you can do it with the Google Home as well. You can actually turn off that always listening capability, but that makes the device less useful, obviously, because you can't just shout at it that you need pizza rolls from the kitchen when you're out. And again, that's always going to be the dilemma, right? There, There's going to be the line in the sand between convenience and security. That's where all of these issues come into play. All of these IoT devices that make it super easy for you to have a refrigerator that can do your grocery shopping for you, that's insanely attractive to the average consumer. And so these devices, they're, they're built with the lowest common denominator in mind. You don't want these devices to be difficult to set up because then you're doubling the cost of your support staff. What you want is something that anybody can buy and bring home and push a button on and it's up and working. And what that usually means is terrible password security. That means horrifyingly open protocols and no sort of web-ready protections. Add to this the fact that most of these are going to require some sort of firmware update that might not be able to be launched remotely and you're going to end up with people never updating. We know for a fact that failing to update is terrible because this means that everything that gets found from the point that you bought the thing onward is going to remain vulnerable in your device. That's a really interesting point too when you talk about having to do security updates. That brings us back to the fact that when you have an IoT device like an internet connected fridge that's connected to your Amazon account, that's connected to your credit card, that when you're out of eggs will automatically reorder eggs for you. That sounds awesome. But we have to, as a society, kind of do a cost benefit analysis of where do we draw the line between convenience and insecurity. And as your home gets smarter and your car gets smarter, that line's going to get blurrier and blurrier. And I think it's going to be on the industry and on, you know, us as consumers who also have that security knowledge to really put pressure on these manufacturers to make their updates automatic, make them remote. We really need to start putting that pressure on now to make sure that they're taking those measures on the back end with the lowest common denominator in mind. The fact of the matter is that your average consumer isn't going to realize that their refrigerator or their washing machine needs a firmware update because it's not something that for generations we've ever thought about. This is a whole new iron age. You hear about no-name brands with electronics and uh, tools and things like, oh, you know, we're not going to buy that because it's, it's, they're, they're not good. I've never heard of that brand. I hear a lot. Yeah, I've never heard of that brand. I'm not going to trust it. And the same is going to go for these devices. But you're right. A lot of this power does come down to the individual. Um, and that's who we're here to educate and, and help protect. So as we look to the future of smart homes, smart cars, it's really going to come down to the education of the average American, the average citizen of the world, really, because when you look at the internet, you look at a global market, to make decisions about whether they care more about security or convenience, how to balance the two, and, and how to secure cure themselves and when they should put pressure on the makers of these devices to make better devices, to make better investments in security. So with that in mind, Mikey, do you have any suggestions that our listeners can take away right now to help secure themselves? 
So, yeah, my final tip this week is going to be a little bit outside of our, our IoT conversation, and it's going to be back on the subject of, of personal information security. Now, we've been talking the last few weeks uh, about password security, and today is no exception. So we bring up the concept all the time, and I think everybody in security does, of don't reuse passwords. And I feel like there's going to be some echoing of that sentiment in every podcast we do, every article I write, every article any of us write. But today is when we're really going to hammer on it. And so there's a technique that attackers use called credential stuffing. And what this is, say I am a very bad guy and I want to attack your Facebook account. Now, I know that you used to have a Yahoo account, probably like JessRocks123 at Yahoo.com or something. Totally. Because I've been very naughty lately as a hacker, I have the Yahoo data breach in my pocket. And so I have the hashed password of every Yahoo user. If I I really, really, really had it out for you in particular, I could spend some time cracking the hash of that password. Once I do, I now know your password that you used. And now if you are like the unfortunate majority of internet users, that password that you've got is the same as the one on your Facebook account, the same as the one on your bank, it's the same as the one on your new email, it's everywhere. And so credential stuffing is where I have a huge database of usernames and passwords, and I'm just throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. And unfortunately, it works a lot. Now, this isn't great for super targeted attacks like the example I gave, but when you have thousands and thousands and thousands of usernames and passwords that are associated with each other, odds are some of those are going to work and then those are now breached. The answer to this very simply is to just not let yourself be vulnerable to that sort of attack. Now you can't control whether Yahoo is going to leak your password. You can't control whether any service out there is going to make some cybersecurity faux pas and your data will end up in the hands of ne'er-do-wells. But what you can do is make sure that the data you give one provider is useless to another one. And that's really it. A million times, a hundred thousand times in a row, don't use the same password password in two different places. However you want to make it happen, just do it. Thank you, Jessica and Michael. The internet is a constantly changing landscape, so it is good to always be aware of what you can do to stay safe and secure. Also, a big thank you to our listeners. Be sure to check out our next episode on October 31st, where we will be discussing endpoint security. The music, Upbeat Forever by Kevin McLeod of IncompEtech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Decoding Security is hosted by Jessica Ortega and Michael Veenstra and produced by Topher Tebow for Sidelock.